Thank you. Welcome everyone, welcome, come right in. I welcome you all to the maiden edition of Spectacular. Spectacular is a program designed exclusively and expressly for everyone who have been looking for answers regarding everything and anything that pertinent to life and the understanding of the principles and the dictates that life entails. Spectacular is a program designed exclusively to resolve everything that pertains to life. Spectacular is the very wisdom of the Creator, the very wisdom of God, the fullness of the life that you and I are experiencing on the earth. I have been privileged to have access to not only the very life of God, but the very wisdom and the very love of God from wherein all that is created emanated from. And as a result of that, I have become the resolver. Being the resolver means the capacity to be able to resolve every single issue and problem on the earth, understanding from the source code, the information and knowledge that brought about the existence of every single thing. And as a result of that, I can bring into comprehension everything that pertains to life. I understand it's a very tall order when you think about it. How can anyone boldly say they have resolved all that pertinent to life? They have understanding to the full access to everything that pertinent to life and they can give you answers on everything, particularly everything that pertinent to life. I can boldly say that because I've been granted that access. And based on that spectacularity, I can come forth and share the depths of the insights on every single issue that needs to be comprehended or resolved. Let me explain it to you this way. When you purchase or procure a television, you will see some are written HD or full HD or even more modern ones that are written 4K television. When you see a full HD, it means it has a pixel count of 1920 pixels or boxes by 1080 boxes. When you are working on the computer and you zoom into the pixels of every image, every JPEG file, you will notice that every single box, if you magnify it by about a thousand percent or more, you will notice that each box contains a color code. And each color code is a specific tonal representation in the box alignment or arrangement within any 
picture profile. Now, some television will write 2 million, 3 million colors because they are referring specifically to each of the color code represented in the boxes. Now, this is the key thing. In every rasterized image, in every picture, in every image, no two color profiles can be embedded in one box. Meaning that when you see the full HD television, even though the pixels are tiny and not easy for the human eye to absolutely resolve, but when you do zoom it in and magnify the image, you will see that each box carries a specific tonal representation, a, a specific color. And as a result of the color that is being represented in each of the boxes, it becomes obvious and apparent that only one color can be inserted into a box. There can only be one color inserted in a box. So what does that mean? It means that there cannot be three colors, there cannot be four. There can be a different shade of a tonal quality, but each box can only carry a specific color, one color each. But when each of those colors are dialed in to each of the boxes and zoomed out and crushed literally, you will not be able to see the quality of the image. The more boxes you have, the higher the resolution. The more boxes you have, the higher the resolution. Now, why does this information matter so much? It does because for every tonal representation, that is actually the color required that contributes to the overall color sequence. Now, this is what I'm trying to say. God is the ruler of the universe. God's wisdom is represented by seven compartments or seven outlines. So, because wisdom means fullness, wisdom also represents the fullness of the compartment and the dimensions of the creator and wisdom also means seven so if there are three persons and there are seven dimensions or compartments of wisdom that means there are 21 pixels in the universe literally representing every single thing for everything you show me on the earth I will show you the representation of the dimension of God in that situation, in that matter. And as a result, I can pick out the exact picture profile, the color tonal representation of each of the box. Why? Because no box has exactly the same color and each box carries a specific representation of the essence of God that represents life on the earth and once I see any problem I can trace it back to my source code and from there give you an automated answer once my mind touches it 
as the resolver, I have an automated answer for that situation. And there is no situation in existence that I cannot resolve. I say this very boldly based on the uniqueness of that has been shown and given to me. I have been given what is called the summation of all, the sum of all, which is the totality of the fullness of the wisdom of God in three persons. So that is 21 boxes in all that runs the universe, literally out of the very essence of God. 21 boxes that carries specific dimensional compartmentalized information that runs the whole universe, all rooted in God. And from that wisdom, I'm able to resolve all matters with ease, with ease. And the understanding and the fullness of the comprehension of that understanding is that which I bring to spectacular. Spectacular is the wisdom of God. The depths of that wisdom, the unveiling of that wisdom, taking that wisdom and applying it practically to life is what brings about the results and the resolve of spectacular. The spectacularity of this program is the ability to be able to resolve all situations based on the knowledge or the full understanding of the depths of the tonal representation in every of the 21 compartments or boxes of God. And this is the essence of life. I can resolve that life into seven by three dimensions, which is what we call or what it is or what is documented as the sum of all. So everything that I bring to this platform would always be in at least three by seven dimensions. But my job is to bring the particular resolved understanding of each issue one problem, bring a solution. Remember I said the boxes is what we call a resolution. The more boxes that are squeezed into the sensor of a camera, the more resolution that you can squeeze out of it. That's why the resolution is normally measured in megapixels because it is the calculation of the numeric count of the pixels, which are the boxes, which carries the tonal representation captured by the sensor of a camera and not transmitted through the circuitry capacity of that camera and now stored in a recording device under which we now extrapolate it and now recalibrate that information into a receptacle like a computer and read the image as it has been documented, calculated, and calibrated. So my assignment here is to be able to capture everything in life, resolve it 
isolate the pixel count, extrapolate the color coding, understanding exactly what brought about it, then being able to use the specificity of each of those boxes and bring solutions that can be applied to everyday life and understand that this is the only way to go. This is not a beating about the bush, understanding, or explaining away things that don't work. Our world today is filled with the foolishness of satanic and demonic wisdom. Yes, it may sound like a dichotomy, but there is such a thing as foolishness of wisdom, the wisdom of men, the wisdom of devils demonic wisdom this type of wisdom is wasted wisdom is neutralized wisdom is destructive wisdom it appears as if it has anything to offer but the truth is that it destroys to its very root it wastes destinies it brings people to a place of utter confoundment it ruins the lives of people and it doesn't work they promise you so much utopia if you do this it will be fair on everyone life will be so beautiful but every day we see that wisdom fail and jesus said that wisdom is justified by her children meaning your wisdom would always be justified by the results you have so I don't care what you tell me. I want to see the proofs by the results you are having. When I see your results, then I can tell if you have true wisdom. And yes, we understand there are people that are powering through life using the systems of this world. And the systems of this world have been manipulated by men to give some people obvious advantage in life. So they appear as if they are getting ahead in life. And they appear as if others are dumb simply because of the things they are doing doesn't appear to be working. But one thing you need to know is that life in itself, in its source, is spiritual. And when things are working in the spiritual realm, it doesn't show up in the physical realm as yet. But eventually, when it does, it will prove that that which has been at work in the invisible, in the spiritual realm, eventually will come into the physicality of results. And when it does, you will see that those who have depended on satanic, on demonic, on human wisdom, eventually will fade away they will fail, their wisdom will fail them because it will show eventually that the things they are doing is not rooted in the very wisdom of God. So my assignment here is to bring you the wisdom of God, to bring you the very depth of God and make sense of it. So this is my basic approach. Everything I teach, everything I show, first of all, must be life-given. It won't be confusing at all. I'm not here to confuse any creature. I'm here to infuse the very wisdom and the essence of God. So it has to give life. 
Because the wisdom of God is the life of God. And when you receive of that life, that life is meant to impart into you the essential ingredient that guarantees the sustenance and the preservation of the life that has been given to you. Every manufacturer who sells a product includes a basic manual, which is the basic instructional wisdom in order for you to get the best and maximize your purchase so that everything that you have procured can be maximized so that you can enjoy the full benefits of your investments, the full privileges of your investments. That's why the manuals are provided and now we have a lot of digital manuals also where the manufacturer uploads how to use the product on platforms like YouTube so that people can go there and get additional information on how to maximize the product they have procured. So also life has a manual. Life has a manual. The manual for the enjoyment, the exercising, the management the maintenance, the sustenance, the preservation of life is the very wisdom of God. And it is also tabulated in scripture, the written scripture of the living word of God, the Bible. But I will do you a service. I will extrapolate those principles of wisdom and bring it to you in the most excellent format for you to be able to receive not only the impartation of life, but also the understanding of it. So the first thing that I will do successfully is that this wisdom must impart life to you. It must be able to impart life to you. The second thing this wisdom must do is that this wisdom must align with everything that is in existence in scripture prior to this. It will never contradict the written given word of the living God. So the truth that I bring will be essentially scripturally aligned even when I may not do justice of quoting places where that wisdom has been properly documented and tabulated in scripture, but yet it will be there and it will align. It will never contradict it because the word of God doesn't have private interpretations. They always align aesthetically, exceptionally. So that's my second take. Then the third and final thing, and which is where every one of us would totally agree with, that wisdom has to make sense. It has to add up. It has to have like a light bulb moment. But for it to have a light bulb moment, you have to be open to it. That wisdom has to have a light bulb moment. And for it to have a light bulb moment, you have to be open to it. And as you are open to it, it must add up. So there is no matter, no situation that will not be resolved in this platform. Now let's get into today's resolving. Today we're going to be dealing with anger in order to properly digest and bring about the resolution to the challenge or the 
outburst of the rage and the composition generated or pulled or pushed forth by the exercising of the implicit annoyance of the lives of many. I have to explain something to you. I have heard, I have seen quite a number of institutions out there and all these institutions claim that they have anger management programs to help people better manage their composition, which is what the core, their emotion, the emotion called anger. And when I hear those things and I see these things, I have come to understand that a number, a great number of these institutions and their programs don't work. To a certain level, they teach things that has to do with self-control and the things that individuals who are struggling with anger should be able to do in order for them to better manage themselves. But at the end of the day, many of these programs don't work. The programs don't work at all. The reason it doesn't work is because there is a misconstrued. There's a miscategorization. There's a misclassification and a misunderstanding of what anger really is. And once you miscategorize something, you cannot resolve it. You can't fix it because you have miscompartmentalized it. You have placed it in the wrong shelf. So there is no way you can be able to bring about a solution to it. If you don't know what is the source of a problem, how can you fix it? If you don't know where the source of the generator is, how can you switch it off? How can you disconnect its power flow? How can you disconnect its power flow? If you don't know where the generator is situated, you can see the effects, you can see the power, you can see the flow of the current, but you don't know where the generator is running. So in this instance, I will tell you where the source of the problem is. Then I can pull the plug on that problem. Now, I can't promise that I will do all that in one session, but I'll try my best so that I can resolve the anger problem at no cost without you signing up for any class. I can just literally tell you what the problem is. First of all, let us bring about understanding what anger is and what anger is not. I will start first of all by saying what anger is and what anger is not. Because once we know what psychologists over time responsible for the fact that they are not able to deal with the source of most anger issues in the lives of people. I'm not here to play with the leaves. I'm not here to juggle with the fruits. I'm after the roots. But I will pass through the fruits now and show you what needs to be understood in this instance because if i don't make sense how would you be able to grapple the depths of that which i'm bringing to you so anger is not an emotion please read my lips psychologists all over the world 
keep saying that anger is an emotion. That is the first problem with the notion. That is the first failure of the programs. Anger is not. Anger will never be an emotion. It can't be. It is not. Period. Anger is not an emotional outburst. First of all, you have to understand that anger is physical. Anger is physical, is literally physical. That's what anger is. An emotion, all your emotions is coming from your soul, is solical. Your emotions is rooted in the soul. While anger, on the other hand, it is not rooted in the soul. It is rooted in the physical body because anger is physical. Anger is physical. While emotions is solical, is rooted in the human soul. Now, psychologists have told us over time that the human soul, wherein the human mind is, has three things that makes it up. Three specific things. They tell us the emotion, the will, and the intellect. As much as that information is not untrue, for the human soul has those three things. But I'm here to tell you that information is partial. There are still four more things that are not mentioned that the human soul comprises of. The human soul comprises of seven specific things, seven dimensions or seven compartments of the human soul. When you slice it up vertically, there are seven specific aspects of the human soul. And emotion is the second compartment because each of the compartment is labeled. The second compartment of the human soul is emotion. The third compartment of the human soul is the will. When you talk about the willpower, that's the thought compartment. Then intellect is the sixth compartment of the human soul. But psychologists don't know the first compartment, don't know the fourth compartment, don't know the fifth compartment, don't know the seventh compartment. So four compartments are, are missing. We are not going into that today. I'm only here to just establish the fact that the emotion is the second compartment of the human soul, while anger is not even in the human soul, but rather a product of the physical, bodily expression or outburst. For example, let me just toss in a freebie. It's not even part of this exercise here. The first compartment of the human soul is the word desire. Desire, one of the most powerful forces, one of the most powerful things on the earth is the human desire. Desire is what pulls and propels us towards a determined end. The purpose to life, the determination to reach a goal is all powered by desire. Children say, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an accountant. That's desire. 
It's born out of the soul. Desire is how you touch your tomorrow in the mind. Then come back into the physical reality to make plans and project and calculate actions that you need to do in order for you to realize your aspirations. Oh, I don't even want to go there yet. Don't get me started. Because that's the first dimension of the human soul. And if that is not brought to light, how would you be able to maximize your mind? So I leave it for another day. That's just for you to munch on as we go on. But the first dimension of the mind, of the soul, is the desire, the human desire, the yearning. The yearning, the pining for you to be able to see what and where you ought to be and make the plans necessary in the physical and take the steps in order for you to gain the ascendancy of reaching that expectation and attaining the fullness of the realization of reaching your aspirations. It is called desire. Even scripture says, that God will grant you the desires of your heart because that is the pining, that's the, the force from which even faith becomes a reality. So let me just back off on that. We'll leave that for another time, but I do promise oh, I will teach on the fullness of what they have missed out. You say, but how come the psychologists don't know? The reason they don't know is because they don't know. Because we have a credence system in the educational system wherein specific things that have been established becomes the norm and is passed on from one generation to the next without anyone questioning or expanding it. The only good thing is that the three things they did mention is actually there, but there are still four other compartments that make up the fullness and the roundness of the human soul. So let me explain something so that you can take full advantage of the depths of that which I bring to us this wonderful day. You must understand for us to be able to understand and comprehend what anger is. We must know that anger has nothing to do with the second compartment of the human soul. The second compartment of the human soul is expressly the very depths, the very essence, the very place wherein your solical dimension of emotion is expressed from. What is the emotion? The emotion is the part of the human soul exclusively given to you in order for you to be able to build relationships with. You cannot reach out and connect with others without using your emotions. Be it family members, be it your loved ones, be it your children, be it your neighbors, be it your community. You cannot connect with anyone around you without the utilization of your emotions. Your emotion is your second dimension. It was given to you in the human soul exclusively for the purpose of connecting with others. 
So you have relationships based on your emotions. Emotions are your human bonding mechanisms. Your emotion is the part of the human soul given exclusively for creating relationships, for bonding with people, for connecting to the world around you. You express emotions when you connect with people one way or the other. Even if it's the family, even if it's the neighbor, the community, that's the only way you connect. You bond with others using your emotion. Now, if anger is an emotion, does that look like something that makes sense? Because anger repels people from you. Anger destroys relationships. When you see someone having an anger fit, does that look like someone you would like to be related to? Does that look like someone you'll be in a relationship with? A lot of relationships are destroyed every day by an anger fit. When someone throws specific kinds of tantrums over something, after a while, you don't want to be close to them. I call them tantrumites. Individuals that would like to throw a mad fit when anything doesn't go their specific way. It destroys relationships. Nobody want to be around someone who's exploding in a mad rage, expressing their displeasure, expressing how things are not going the way they want. Anger destroys relationships. It never builds it. So how can it be an emotion when emotions were given to you exclusively for connecting with people? For example, when it comes to doing emotions, all emotions are feeling-based. All emotions are feeling-based. That's why emotions are always reflective in tears or laughter. And in either case, when laughter is exercised to a certain level, the reflection of the human soul begins to gush liquid from the eyes because the eyes is the window of the soul. So when you are engulfed with uncontrollable laughter, after a while, water begins to come out of your eyes. In the same way, when you show an emotional outreach, towards a situation, towards someone, immediately water begins to come out of your eyes. And once that water begins to come out of your eyes in form of tears, whether you are crying or not, at times you can't hold the water back. The reason is because there is an emotional connection. Because emotions are feeling-based. When you are emotional, you become teary-eyed. When you are emotional, you begin to dilate in your pupils. You begin to connect with anything or anyone, even an animal, even a dog, even a cat. Some people, they cry when their pet dies because there's an emotional connection between them and that animal. They consider them as a family member. The reason is because there's an emotional connection between them and that pet. If I tell you of a man, certain man who died last week, you feel nothing. You feel nothing. 
Because people die every day, every minute of every hour. Someone somewhere dies. In short, it is said every six seconds, someone somewhere dies on the earth. Every six seconds. So if someone dies every six seconds, how come you are not an emotional roller coaster crying every minute for everyone? The reason is because you don't know them. And because you don't know them, you are not what emotionally connected to them. And because you are not emotionally connected to them, you don't shed any tear whatsoever because you don't know them. You're not connected to them. You connect with the world. You connect with others. You bond with your family, with your kids, with your parents, with your family members, with your friends, through the instrumentality of your emotions. Emotion is the second compartment of the human designated for creating relationships, for bonding with people. And when something happens to someone or news come to you concerning someone who was close to you in any form or we are related to you, you shed a tear. It shows you become broken literally. You may not be able to sleep because you're traumatized because now you are in a situation where you are disparaged. You are, you are literally pressed beyond measure because you are connected to them. Your emotions will show. Shortest scripture in the Bible says Jesus wept. Why? Because he knew Lazarus. He was his friend. He was his buddy. He was like a family to him. Irrespective of the fact that he knew he was, he had the capacity or the ability to raise him up. The fact that he was dead and he was told and he saw others as they wept for him, he wept. There was an emotional connection. There was an emotional attachment. He sympathized with him. He showed emotions. He wept. People have tried to reclassify or re-explain the reason. Some even say he wept because of their unbelief. What in the world are you talking about? The people just had their loved one die and they were weeping. It had nothing to do with unbelief. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the one who came to change that situation. And only he knew he was there to change and bring him back to life. They didn't know. So they only expressing the normal emotional despair that comes with being connected to a loved one and having to lose them suddenly at the prime of their age. And when Jesus came into the scene, he was moved and he was emotionally connected. When Jesus raised from the dead, the son of the widow who was weeping because it was his only child. It was her only son, her only child. Did Jesus whip? He did not. Jesus did have compassion on her doubt, but he didn't weep. Why? Doesn't know the guy. Doesn't know who he is. He was only moved because he saw the way they wept. Remember when Dorcas died and the people, the community wept for her because she was such a lovely beautiful soul who took care of everyone she was emotionally connected with her community so when she suddenly passed the community wept so when peter came visiting they said look at this lovely woman 
she passed suddenly and they wept and born out of that peter was stirred up there was an emotional activation because peter even though he did not know her personally but he had an emotional connection to the community so when the community wept he was moved he was stirred his bowels of compassion was unlocked and with that he was able to stir up a miracle and raise her back to life what a beautiful story but you have to understand the emotion the emotion is the human compartment of the soul the second human compartment of the soul and yes they are numbered the first one before the second the second before the third the first being desire the second being emotion the third being your will power so your emotion is for connecting with the world around you that's why emotional people create quicker connect with people faster someone who is emotionally inclined can connect with a total stranger in 5 minutes and they will be talking as if they've met for years people who have a propensity for emotional expression or facial disposition are prone to connect with people faster while people who don't show emotions hardly connect if someone is telling a story and breaks down in the midst of the story based on the emotional challenge the emotional connection to the story the experience of the individuals in that story immediately every hearer becomes compelled they become moved by the fact that there's an emotional release why because the storyteller has found a way to connect invite everyone in and connect them to the situation even though the onlookers and the hearers had no first hand experience with that situation they did not experience that situation whatsoever but yet they are inclined to connect with it the reason being that the emotional connection has been established by the fact that the storyteller opened his bowels opened his heart opened his emotions to that experience and unleashed it on the people and now they are connected that is the reason why politicians when they have a mishap a great situation a breakdown of society or yeah or a national disaster a state of emergency many of them want to feign their emotion they want to shed a bit of tears they want to let the people know i feel it at times they don't it's just fake tears and many at times people can tell this just crocodile tears as it is called but when you have a heart felt pain and you feel the true situation rolling from the essence of who you are and you share the tear for the situation people can feel it and based on that there is a connection between that leader or politician and the community these days we don't have it see what is happening in the world today but there is an emotional connection you have with the community with people because that's what your emotions are now i don't want to make this all about the emotions 
because I'm not teaching about emotions. My target here is about anger, but I'm trying to say that anger has nothing to do with emotions because anger is simply expressed temperament. When there is a temperamental outburst exercised in your physicality, it is called anger. Anger is not an emotion because anger has nothing whatsoever to do with connecting with people. Rather, it does the opposite. When you see someone having a mad fit, someone throwing tantrums, someone having an outburst, does that look like anyone you want to connect with? You want to relate with? You want to have anything to do with? No, because anger is not an emotion. That is the first fundamental difference and misconception that has been put out there by a lot of psychologists and anger management specialists. And based on that information that has mischaracterized, now we have a flawed resolution. And that's why the anger management programs many at times don't work. Because anger is a result of undesired outcome. Let me put it another way. Simple words. I will give you three words to define anger. Anger is frustration. Anger is frustration. Anger is frustration. What is frustration? Frustration is what occurs when things don't go your way. When you do things a certain way with a certain expectation of outcome, but the outcome does not match your expectation, it generates frustration. That of frustration is what we call anger. Anger is frustration. Anger is frustration. When people are projecting to accomplish something, to gain something, to have an end, and that end doesn't work out, and they try different things, and it keeps failing them, after a while, they become frustrated with life. That frustration, see, you can have things happen that contradicts your expectations in life, it doesn't necessarily mean you will become an angry person as a result of that, simply because you are not frustrated. And that's why people, see, Thomas Edison said he tried to produce luminance from the incident light bulb and failed trying it 10,000 times. Why is it his outcome never matched his input? But he never got frustrated. He never quit because he never got frustrated. Because he kept seeing another way he could still try until he gets what he wants. He saw the practicability and the possibility of an incident light bulb through the generated currents of flow of electricity. And he believed it was possible. And that man changed the world. But you have to understand that his expectation was consistent. You can't be someone who gets angry or frustrated and become an inventor. So here was a man who had absolute control over his personal disposition in life, over his temperament. So he was able to manage himself exceptionally even in the face of failure until eventually he broke through. Anger is frustration. A lot of people 
have been doing things and when things don't go their way, when the outcome don't match their expectation, they explode. So anger is the expression of frustration. When it has built up, it eventually overflows. And that outflow or that outbreak or that expression is what we know as anger. Anger is not an emotional expression. Anger is a temperamental expression based on undesirable outcomes. When people exercise and do things and it doesn't go their way, they become frustrated and that frustration over time does this. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. For example, let us say there's a young man. He expects so much from life, but no one has provided for him the leadership that he needs for him to know in life, you have to do this, do this, do this. Then you get this, get this, get this. Is it not said that is considered insanity when you keep repeating the same thing and expect a different outcome? Because in life, you don't dictate your outcome. You only determine or dictate your inputs. Then your inputs would determine your outcomes. So outcomes cannot be regulated. Today now we have people who through policy and governance, through the foolishness of equality, want to regulate outcomes. You can't regulate outcomes. No, no one has the power to do that. It is your actions that will dictate the outcome. It is what you put in that will dictate what comes out. If you take $20,000 to the bank account, it's most likely when you are ready to make a withdrawal, you have access to $20,000. Same. Because what you put in is what you get out of it. You can't put in 20K and expect to withdraw 40000 You'll be mad. You'll be a thief to do that. It is what you put in that will determine what will come out. So, when that young man expects this output in life, he doesn't have anyone to show him the tried and tested, proven steps that he needs to take in order for him to get the outcomes he desires in life. So what happens is that he goes into life naive, expecting things will go a certain way. But as every day passes, he sees that his expectations in life is constantly cut short because his input doesn't match. And over a while, it begins to build up. Now, that expectation of outcome, of things not going a specific way, born out of the input that is coming from this other end, begins to secrete, begins to generate a fluid, begins to generate a substance. That substance, it's like fuel. It's like propane gas. And after a time, as the frustration, because with each frustration, like I said, just because something doesn't go your way doesn't mean you'll be frustrated. But when you expect it for so long and it doesn't happen the way you want, after a while, you begin to build up frustration. That frustration is now like a substance. It's like a tank of fuel. It's like a tank of gasoline 
And the more frustrated you become, the more secretion, the more generation, the more distillation of the substance of that frustration is. And that substance, by the time he gets full, as that young man is walking on the road, going down the street, going to see his friends, going somewhere, he is literally a walking tank of frustration because life is not giving him what he wants. Then, when anyone by any chance makes a mistake and provoke him, it might just be the slightest thing, it might just be a comment, and immediately he doesn't know. The provocateur doesn't know that he's only providing a match to someone who is carrying a tanker of flammable, highly flammable substance. And kaboom, you have an explosion. And that explosion is the outburst called anger. When you see someone burning, literally, in a rage, in a fit of rage, they are actually burning. They actually have exploded under the import of the strength of flammable substance they've been carrying around for a long time. That's why at times you need to be careful what you tell people. I relate with people all the time in the grocery store, down the street, even online, and you just see someone explode on you. You are not the one who frustrated them. You are not the one responsible for the big tanker of propane tank gas that they are carrying through life. But unfortunately, you become the one who is the provocateur, who provides the match and the ignition for that explosion. So they are like a ticking time bomb. But this time around, the tick-tock is not what will explode the bomb, but rather simply providing the ignition. So you become the ignition for that situation. For an example, right now there has been so many cases of sudden road rage where someone is driving down the road and as he's driving down the road, another car cuts him off and immediately he's aggravated, he's upset, he's ignited, he's ticked off and he immediately begins to drive to get on par with the car and talk and shout and based on the response that he gets, if he doesn't get the response he wants, he's pained, he's burning, now he's a, he's a boiling inferno. And in some cultures and in some nations, like the United States of America, where quite a number of at-risk youths are equipped, are carrying a piece, are carrying a firearm, and immediately unloads on the car. And in some cases, kill the passengers, kill the driver. And this has become, road rage has become one of the main killers. Sudden death to the lives of people. And people can't understand what is going on. How do you kill someone you don't even know? Just by split second, for no reason. You are not trying to rob them. You are not trying to relieve them of their goods. Nothing. Just the fact that they cut you off on the highway. You shoot. You offload a firearm. Why is that? It's because they are a walking 
bomb. They are a storehouse of propane tank of frustration for life has not given them what they want. When a young man is producing, he's doing the right things, he's checking off all the boxes and the output is coming, he's gaining traction, his future is so promising, there is no way he will be angry. Even if something comes around him, he will just smile it off. It will take some good effort to take him off because life is, he's happy with life, he's joyful with life. He's getting what he expects. But when that same or another individual is frustrated because they don't get their way, over time they become a walking bomb. And as a result of that, they are like a walking propane tank. When you see the driver of a propane tank or or gasoline, you will see highly flammable, danger, keep off, and keep all flames far away from this. I wish we could see that propane tank in the physical, in the lives of the frustrated, with a big sign saying, keep away, keep your flame away from me, because I can explode at any time. That's why scripture says the right words will turn away wrath. Why? Because the angry soul, the angry man, the angry individual is filled with wrath. And that wrath can be diffused with the cold water of right-spoken words. And that situation can quickly be diffused. But escalation, even unto extremities, have become the norm of the day. Because so many people are frustrated, especially if they are tantrumites. Who are tantrumites? Kids who always want to have their way and their parents never go all out to make sure that they are reeled in or kept back in. You have to know that when you are raising a child, you have to make sure they don't become tantrumites. A tantrumite is a kid that explodes every time they don't get their way. I heard of a woman the other time was making a plea for her son. He had shot someone, he has killed someone. I think it was a bar fight and unfortunately, someone passed. And now she's making a plea before the jury, before the judge, that her son is not an evil person, he's not a wicked person, he's not this, he's not that. It's unfortunate what happened, broke out into a bar fight and unfortunately someone died as a result. And now he was facing anywhere between 25 to life. She was making a plea to the court to show some leniency as a result, that if you go through the boy's record, that he has no violence in his past or reckless behavior. It just so happened he was at the wrong place at the wrong time and he exercised himself or his emotion as he's normally called. And unfortunately, it resulted in the sudden death of someone. So now the question now is this, because when I heard it, the first thing I said, but ma'am, and I'm talking to myself now, I said, but ma'am, is he a tantrumite? Because when you were raising him, when he doesn't have his way, does he strike out? Does he break out? Does he exercise his displeasure? Does he exercise his utter contempt? Anytime anything doesn't go the way he wants, 
Is he a tantrumite? And when he throws the tantrums, do you reel him in? Do you discipline him? Do you deal with it? Do you spank him if necessary to quench that trajectory? Because the tantrums is the practice runs for the explosion of rage and frustration down the road. He will become an angry fella over time if it is not dealt with. If it is not addressed, he will become someone who is frustrated. Because one thing about life is that things many at times don't go your way. Even God who created us doesn't get his way all the time. Most of what is happening in the earth is not in line with his ways. And he's not happy with it. If God threw a fit, the earth will be gone. He will wipe all humanity out in a second. That's why the Bible says that God is slow to anger. What does that mean? It means he's on slow motion. He will eventually come to the day of his wrath. Eventually. But as it is today, he is giving humanity time to do what is right. Because there's a day of his wrath. He is slow to anger. There's a day of explosion. There's a day. The Bible documents that in the book of Revelation, where God will pour out his vengeance, his anger on his creation. And all those who have destroyed the earth, all those who have killed humanity, all those who have murdered others, all those who have exercised wickedness in all forms and in all ways on the earth, all those who have refused to heed his instructions. Scripture documents there's a day of wrath. In that day, rocks will pour out from heaven, molten, burning rocks to judge humanity. That's the day of his wrath. I don't know of you, but I don't intend to stick around for that. That's why I'm trying as much as I can to live a life that is responsible, taking charge of my temperament and my emotions and anything that is necessary, taking charge of my conduct, of my temperament in every way necessary so that I will not experience his judgment on the day of judgment, on the day of his wrath. But as it is today, we are on the day of his mercy and the day of his grace. Why don't we take advantage of the escape route being Jesus, the son of God, and what he did on Calvary, on the cross for you and I. God is slow to anger because anger is an outburst and the execution of his wrath upon the wicked and all the doings of wickedness on the earth. Oh yes. You say, but God is a God of love. He's also a God of judgment. And if he doesn't judge, no one will. So that will come, is established. But coming back to us, we have to understand that anger is a built up of frustration when things don't go our way. So we need to teach our children that life will happen and things happen. Bad things happen to even good people. Unfortunate things happen to even good people. There are times you are doing the right things, 
But at the end of the day, things don't still check out. Things don't still happen the way you want it to go. The outcomes you're expecting doesn't line up. You must not get frustrated because frustration over time will build up anger. You become built up like a full tank of propane, a full tank of gasoline. And all it needs is a provocateur to come your way. It may just be the slightest provocation. It could just be someone looking at you a certain way and you are ticked off. Kaboom, the explosion is in. And before you know it, the situation is now precarious, gotten out of hand. Is now a dilemma that is beyond human control. Anger is dangerous. People have been cut off in a road rage. People have gone to a bar to have a drink and come out in a body bag because someone could not control their temperament. A dangerous situation. People have shot people on the highway, killed people they don't know. You see, anger creates a temporary state of insanity. When the explosion happens, it suspends the natural reasoning faculty and literally blanks out the consequences and the resulting actions that will ensue. That's why people, when they are angry, we say they are mad. And that guy just went irate. He just became mad. Why? Because it's the temporary state of insanity. It suspends the natural reasoning faculty and the judgment of weighing the outcomes of the actions that will follow. And as a result of that, it will bring about consequences. Every action has corresponding consequences. How dare you pull a gun and shoot someone on the highway just because they caught you off without a care of what your actions entails? First of all, if you are caught, because a camera somewhere may pick up the number, if you are caught, you will face in some nations the death penalty, in some others life imprisonment, and many others 40 years, 30 years. Your life is ruined in seconds for nothing. And you have also done something even worse. You have killed someone. Now there's blood on your hands. Now your life, because the worth of your life is the worth of the life of another. So when you take life, your life should be taken. Yes. Someone say, no, we, we, we shouldn't do it that way. No, the value of life is life. You have to respect life. You have to value life. I value life. I respect life. I can't lash out like that. That is madness. That's barbaric. You can't just do that. You destroy lives in an instance. And it's dangerous. When you are tantrumized growing up, over time, that is the practice runs for the execution of the actions that may destroy your life or the lives of others. Like the way that young man destroyed his life and the judge gave him maybe 25, 40 years and maybe he's already 30, so he's not coming out until 60 or 70. And he might not parole until after 20 years. He ruins his life. He ruins the life of another. Now, when that shot rings out, in an instance of a second, the man who shoots does not think of the children that he has just orphanized 
by killing their parent. He doesn't think of the mother of the young man or the person he had just killed. How about the family members? How about the sister? How about the brothers? How about the, those who love that one? How about if he's a teacher, a, a pillar in the community, you just cut him short because of your momentary timeline of madness that has nothing whatsoever to do with your emotions, but rather has everything to do with frustration because something did not go your way, because someone told you something you don't like. And instead of departing or walking away from the situation, you charge at the at the provocateur, the one who ignited you. That's why when people are provoked, you begin to ask, "Is it just this thing I said? Is this just this thing I did? Is this just this food I didn't serve you in time?" And they lash out at the waiter and they explode and they start cursing. They start releasing profanity uncontrollably. For the slightest provocation, the problem is that they are frustrated with life. The problem is that there is a built up of anger. The problem is that they are driving around with a propane tank and all you offered was an ignition. And once you ignited them, they explode. And that explosion brings about chaos and mayhem to the situation and if there is no proper means of de-escalating the situation many at times it has resulted in sudden death many at times it has resulted in the sudden death annihilation of life just because someone is frustrated and is getting worse even women these days who normally don't have a natural inclination for violence are becoming more violent by the reason of the frustrations they're experiencing in their lives, in past relationships, in past situationships, in past dilemmas. And over time, people are beginning to do violent things that are not natural because of frustration. I heard of a woman, of a woman who was a counselor. She was an anger management specialist. And a certain man, she got involved with was already married and also promised her something i don't know and you know some of these men promise women things all just because they just want to take advantage of them so when eventually she found that she had been played she runs a management institution that focuses on what anger management she was an anger management specialist written boldly as a psychologist on her card and when she became irate over being used by this fella who was just there for what he could get from her bodily but not there emotionally not there for her at the end of the day she felt played so she got a gun loaded it and went to his house and the very minute he opened the door she offloaded bullets in his chest that's it and the wife was there and the wife was trying to stop her and she shot the wife also not fatally though just shot her in the shoulder she was like no don't get involved this man broke my heart now why is such a paradox is because how in the world are you teaching anger management courses and yet you can't control your temperament you take a gun and go and kill someone just because they played you are you the first to be played there are some men that are players 
And if you allow them around you, especially those ones who are married, you should know better than to get involved with them. And unfortunately, she did. And she paid the price. Now her life is ruined. Now she's behind bars. Now she's to spend the rest of her life in jail. She wasn't given the death penalty, but she got the, she got years that she may not be released in her lifetime. Not eligible for parole, maybe 30, 40 years, because I, I wasn't able to follow through on the sentencing. So I cannot give you the exactness of what exactly it's the time she will exit, if at all possible. Anger, anger. Or did you hear about the preach in Florida in 2020? I think it's 2020, not 21. I'm not 100% sure, but it's one of the years, either 20 or 21, of the pastor in Florida who shot his wife. Literally said he would do it and follow through on it because of anger. Frustration had built up so much in him. The woman you married a few years ago. Someone say, oh, it's not a new thing. Spouses have killed. Individuals have killed their spouses in the past. This one is a bit different. Because he said he was going to do it. He told the family members he would do it. And he made good or made evil on his promise. Followed up, went to her bank, waited outside. Because she worked there in a Navy something bank in Florida. And walked up to her and offloaded gunshots in her shot her enough even came closer to guarantee she was dead then he finally walks away what is that that is frustration expressed i don't know what the wife did to him she apparently had moved out already but he was still bearing a lot of hatred and animosity and that explosion came to the brain the brother of the woman warned her that I need to make this official, I need to take this to the police, I need to report this threat. And the woman just played it aside and said, no, leave him. He's meant to be a pastor. He wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. His life is wasted. And the wife's life, the life of the wife is also wasted too because of anger. We need to deal with anger. Anger is frustration. Anger is not an emotion. Anger is not an emotion. Anger wants to express its frustration. So in the next recording, I'll, I'll take it from there. Now, if you have found spectacular to be impactful, if you've gotten something from it, I want you to go ahead and hit that bell, the like button, and go even further and subscribe. This is obviously the maiden edition, so I expect it to take off gradually but yeah it is open to all so please take advantage of it so anytime we do upload a new material you would always be notified so you can take advantage of the second and third part of this program you can take full advantage of it and apply it in your life thanks for watching and i see you on the next one please do have a great time bye